You're listening to KYMN 95.1 FM, 1080 AM, and streaming online at KimRadio.net. It's time for the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Falk Financial Services. It's the show that covers America's pastime through the eyes of the people who love it the most. From journalists to broadcasters, and of course, the athletes that play the game, we will have all your bases covered. Here's your host, Colin Landsteiner. Good afternoon, Norfield. My name is Colin Landsteiner, and again, this is the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Falk Financial Services. It's a show really all about baseball. Every aspect of baseball, we'll talk about it here on the On Deck Sports Show. Today, we have two really great guests. Later on, we're going to talk to Rob Hunnix. Rob is the owner of Twin City Sports Cards in Golden Valley, Minnesota. And Rob's got all tons of great stories about collecting sports cards and memorabilia. And it's really a fantastic conversation. But before that... I got to talk to Bob Nightingale earlier this week. Bob is a reporter for the USA Today, and we talked about so many different topics revolving around Major League Baseball. All right, this is the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Folk Financial Services. Our guest today, Bob Nightingale of the USA Today. Bob, thanks for joining us today. Sure, my pleasure. You know what? Let's just start with it right here. Uh, this year has been kind of the year of the pitcher. We've had a lot of no-hitters in the league, and just wanted to gather your thoughts on that, and maybe, I don't know, maybe there's not a reason for it. Maybe there is. Well, just, you know, the hitting's gotten worse, and the pitchers have gotten better. They're throwing harder than ever. You know, the hitters aren't adjusting. I mean, we had over a 1,000 more strikeouts and hits in April, you know, uh, you know, which is unheard of. You know, first time in history, uh, you know, we're seeing guys routinely strike out 10, 10 a night. So it's just a, a completely different era. And, uh, you know, so, you know, everybody every night seems like he's breaking a strikeout record. So that, that part's not good. It's just, uh, you know, you can't compare what's going on now, you know, comparing to the days of, uh, you know, Bob Gibson and Colfax, everything else. When, when hitters were embarrassed to strike out, you know, now they're not. Local team here is the Minnesota Twins, and you know that sort of play has maybe kind of affected them a little bit. They've been known as a team for hitting a lot of home runs, and and it's really not paid out well for them, really. No, just a uh, you know a lot of struggles. Uh, you know, with the pitching staff, the uh, the offense has been erratic, although they're starting to score more runs. But yeah, I mean to be nine games back already, you know, it doesn't mean you know their season's over, but you hate to be put in this kind of hole you know, this quickly, uh, you know, I think they're going to have to, you know, see what happens for the next few weeks and then see whether they, you know, still think they can still win the division or, you know, is it time to uh, reload and, and trade away some players? Yeah, it kind of, you know, been a big surprise, I think, for people around here that are fans of the Twins. A lot of people expected them to be competing for a division again this year. And like you said, who knows? But let's talk about other surprise teams. Teams have been good this year, Bob. What is kind of maybe your surprise team so far beginning this season? Well, the National League certainly San Francisco Giants. I mean, it's a team that's rebuilding. And uh, and yet they're winning. I mean, against some tremendous starting pitching, you know, particularly from uh, Kevin Gosman. So, you know, the fact that they're sitting on top of the NL West is stunning. And the Red Sox, you know, Red Sox are, are winning the AL East. That's a team rebuilding, too. You know, they dumped off, you know, Mookie Betts and David Price and, uh, you know, still, still hanging around. And, you know, they, they hang around all, all year. 
So those are probably the two biggest surprises for sure. We're here with Bob Nightingale of the USA Today. And Bob, right here at the beginning of the season, you like to look back and see who are the biggest signings so far. Uh, which signings do you think have made the biggest impact on the start of this season? Well, certainly Taiwan Walker uh, has done great. Two-year contract for $20 million for the Mets. Uh, he was signed late, and uh, you know, he's been – Spectacular, you know. I think three and one with about a two-two ERA. Carlos Rodon from the uh, Chicago White Sox. I mean, he was out there all winter long, and uh, finally came back to White Sox for just a one-year deal for three million dollars. You know, and the guy's five and zero. Oh, you know, with the sub one ERA. So he's probably been he's probably been the biggest biggest surprise of, of anybody. And Bob, you know, we just talked about surprise teams and kind of maybe a similar question, but as we look forward to the marathon of this season and eventually getting to a postseason push, who is a dark horse team that maybe people aren't talking enough about that you think could really have a great season this year? But I don't think people are talking enough about, you know, Cleveland, who's in the Twins division, of course. I mean, they're rebuilding. I mean, they dumped off Francisco Lindor, and they're, you know, their star player, their face of their franchise. And they're hanging right there with the White Sox, just one game back with some spectacular starting pitching. So I, I don't think people talk about, about them, you know, nearly enough. Maybe same with the Milwaukee Brewers. You know, they're hanging on with Christian Yelich being out and, uh, you know, a, a ton of injuries. But yet, same thing with Woodruff and Burns. They've been some uh, very nice pitching. They're hanging around, and I, I think they'll be around all year as well. Yeah, it's interesting to bring up Cleveland. I think everyone wants to just talk about the White Sox, right? The young, new team, and um, Cleveland just kind of get pushed to the side there. Yeah, I mean, uh, everybody's just counting them, thinking, okay, they're rebuilding and everything else, and uh, yeah, they'll let their closer go, Brad Hand. You know, it's just like, okay, they're cutting money and not interested in winning, but, you know, they still have a pitching in, in place and everything else. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I think they'll be around all year. I really do. You know, they got their offensive problems, but a uh, pitching-wise, they're as good as anybody in the league. Switching topics here, you know, we're a little bit over a year since the pandemic kind of really started here in the States. And last year, we got to see Major League Baseball kind of start the sport up again. And they had their own struggles with whether it be uh, you know, different teams catching the virus. But over the course of this last year, right, Bob? In what ways has the league been able to improve handling those types of situations, whether it be rescheduling, protocol, anything like that? There has to have been some sort of improvement here throughout this last year. Well, they've sort of learned how to adjust on the fly, uh, you know, with the double, double hitters, all the makeup games. Uh, last year, they were change, changing the schedule at the last second. So they've learned to adapt. And there for a while, it was whoever had, uh, whoever won the All-Star game would have the home field advantage. That league would have the home field advantage in the World Series. Now, of course, it's, hey, whoever has the best record will have the home field advantage even though you don't get a change. You won't know that until, uh, you know, September 30th, October 1st, that sort of thing. And I think players have, you know, adopted and adjusted a DH, you know, full-time DH one year, no DH the next, expanded playoffs one year, back to what, you know, traditional the next. So I just think people, the adjustments have been great. Yeah, it's been um, really interesting to see how that has all kind of played out. We're here with Bob Nightingale from the USA Today. Uh, news this week, Bob, the Oakland A's potentially looking at relocating. And whether it's the A's or some other team moving or 
we see expansion, whatever it be. Uh, what are some different market markets you would like to see MLB explore as potential options to host a new team? Well, MLB would certainly like to expand by two teams and make it 32. Uh, 30 makes it very uh, difficult for scheduling everything else. But to expand, you know, they need the situation settled in, in Tampa and uh, in Oakland. So the teams that the cities that come up the most uh, are, are Montreal in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, you also have Charlotte, you have Portland, and you have Las Vegas. Uh, lots have been made about Las Vegas, particularly with the A's. Uh, I have a little hard time believing that that could work, just because in Phoenix, fourth largest city in the country, uh, it has a hard time. You know, they, they struggle with the tenants, so you wonder how that would work in Vegas, a much smaller city, and obviously, you know, the heat can be oppressive during the summertime. But but baseball would really like to go back to Montreal for sure. Yeah, and you know, it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. Like you said, they got to kind of wait and see what happens with Oakland in the race. You mentioned this earlier a bit. You know, we we've seen a lot of rule changes over the years, and I was just kind of curious, what is maybe one of your favorite rule changes that we've seen implemented recently? And is there any like sort of rule changes you would lobby for to see in the future? I would like to see something with the shift. Maybe just start with the uh, the players have to start on infield dirt, and then you can you know as soon as the pitch is thrown, you can take off running. But to change that a little bit, I think the uh, shifts take away uh, you know not only take away you know a lot of hits, but I think athleticism. I mean guys like Ozzie Smith, the great you know the great shortstop from the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, we'd have no idea about his athleticism if the shift was on. Because it'd be guys five feet to his left or five feet to his right, uh, so we're missing we're missing out on that. You know, as far as all the new rules, the uh, the runner in second base it intrigues me. I, I I like to see it move back to the twelfth inning and maybe even the thirteenth. Let's say twelfth inning, and do it that way. And the reason being, I I do think because the way the offenses are now, uh, the sudden you know the extra innings became very boring. You know, even players are joking. We get the most boring overtime in all of sports. And it was, it was you know, you'd see that uh, at the ballparks, whether you're at Target Field or somewhere else. When the 10th thing would roll around, fans would bolt for the exits, saying we've seen enough. But with the runners starting in second base, at least it creates a little bit more action. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out the rest of this season. You know, we had it last year, and you know, you mentioned the shift. That's that seems to be a very big topic among baseball circles, whether people like the shift or not. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of debate. People say, "Well, you should, you know, do everything you can to win," and the best way to uh, you know win is to position your players correctly. But you know, it it, it's, it makes it it makes it tough to watch. You know, guys are you know guys hit a ball up the middle. You think it's a base hit, and someone's there. And then you have some uh, strange things going on. I was in New York last week. Yankee player hit the ball over the bag. Uh, there was no play at second base. The runner was on first. And then he kept running uh, to third and, and home without a throw being made because nobody was covering. The ship was so exaggerated, everybody was on the right side of the field. So, you know, it's it just – it's strange. It's not the baseball we're used to watching. Bob, hey, thanks for joining us today. Oh, sure. My pleasure. That's Bob Nightingale of the USA Today. And if you're just tuning in, again, this is the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Falk Financial Services. We podcast every week. Just go on to kymnradio.net. That's kymnradio.net. When we return, our next guest, Rob Hunnicks. 
from Twin City Sports Cards in Golden Valley. You're listening to the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Falk Financial Services. Do you know your risk number? At Falk Financial Services, we use the world's first risk alignment platform called Riskalyze, which mathematically pinpoints how much risk investors want, how much they currently have in their portfolio, and how much risk they need to take to reach their goals. To learn more, call 507-645-2993 or visit us at falkfinancial.com. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Securities offered through First Heartland Capital, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through First Heartland Consultants. Falk Financial Services is not affiliated with First Heartland Capital. This is the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Falk Financial Services. Our guest here today, Rob Hunnicks from Twin City Sports Cards in Golden Valley. Rob, thanks for joining the program today. Colin, thank you so much for asking me to be on. I'm um, excited to be here. I'm really looking forward to this, Rob. I remember as a kid collecting sports cards, autographs, memorabilia. I think this is going to be a lot of fun here, talking to you about your career, the business, and such, and would love to just get to know you a bit better here for our listeners. Uh, how long have you been in the business? How did you get your start? And um, when did you really start falling in love with collecting sports memorabilia and baseball cards? Well, Colin, I remember opening my first pack uh, in 1958. I was nine years old and like everyone else, saved up my pennies to get a nickel, although there were penny packs at that time. The particular store that I shopped at, uh, the little corner grocery, uh, only carried nickel packs. So it took a while to save up five pennies uh, when you're when you're nine years old. So that's my first memory of, of opening packs uh, in 58, a little bit in 59, uh, and by 60, 61, 62, obviously more discretionary income from mowing lawn, shoveling snow, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that's when I first got involved in, in baseball cards and a little bit in football. As far as the other sports were concerned, the stores that I went to or the couple corner stores that I went to did not carry basketball, and uh, they sure didn't carry hockey back then. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, you've had your store, Twin City Sports Cards, for a few years here now. Uh, what made you want to start up the business other than, you know, your background of collecting cards as a kid? Well, Twin City Sports Cards, actually, this is our eighth year, and I've been interested in sports for as long as I can remember, besides playing, coach Little League, majors, Babe Ruth, et cetera, on up as, as my kids were involved. But once I retired uh, eight years ago, I sat around for about three months trying to figure out what I was going to do when I grew up, and I decided that uh, getting into a sports card shop would be not only a lot of fun, but give me an opportunity to interact with some terrific people, share a hobby that I enjoy, and, uh, and, and make the time go by faster. And I haven't regretted a moment of it. It's, uh, it's been a, a fantastic uh, run. Yeah, I've gotten a sense that that's a big part of the business. Just even talking to people, telling the stories of maybe a certain item, a certain player, their career. When people just come in and you just really get to know the fans, really. Absolutely, Colin. Um, you hear wonderful stories. Everybody's got them from the time they were growing up 
to maybe when they played ball to different ball players that they met, favorite memories. Uh, bought a collection from a gentleman this morning, and he had wonderful stories. He's originally from uh, Bloomington, Minnesota, and uh, played uh, played ball for for uh, Bloomington High School, but uh, also great memories of of. Uh, collecting cards. And Rob, I'm sure you sold tons of sports memorabilia throughout the years, but what are some of the most memorable items you have sold? Well, of course, the one that everybody wants, and I've sold this one many times, but the 1952 uh, Mickey Mantle uh, rookie, although it's actually his tops rookie, not really his rookie card. Uh, he had a, uh, a 51 Bowman, but that would be one. Uh, a, a 1933 Babe Ruth uh, and a 1910 Shoeless Joe Jackson. Now, what's interesting about Shoeless Joe is that in that particular year, there are only 200 known. So although it's much rarer than the 52 Mantle, it only commands at the time I sold it a few years back, about half of its value. But much rarer card, probably not have, probably won't ever have that one again. But that was a pretty exciting card to handle. Uh, 1909 Ty Cobb uh, from the T206 series. So that's been very, very exciting. Uh, as far as memorabilia is concerned, uh, if I can digress a moment, uh, probably my favorite piece, which is in my collection, uh, is a piece from 1967, and it's actually a program from a talk that Jackie Robinson gave uh, out in uh, in Omaha, and it was for the NAACP. So what's interesting about that is you not only have a program that uh, there's an interesting side story to that, which I won't get into now, but you not only have a program that Jackie autographed, but because of the connection with civil rights, which he was so active in. So it wasn't just Jackie Robinson with baseball. It was Jackie Robinson with civil rights and with everything going on today. Uh, civil rights-wise, it's uh, it's even more relevant. And so that's actually, even though it's not the most valuable by any means, uh, it's kind of a unique, uh, one-of-a-kind piece that, that I enjoy personally. You're listening to the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Falk Financial Services. Our guest, Rob Hunnicks from Twin Cities Sports Cards in Golden Valley. Rob, the whole process and industry of buying sports memorabilia and baseball cards has really changed over the years. And I know you've kind of seen that from the time you were a kid to now owning a store. Walk me through that a bit. Uh, what are some of the big changes that have happened? Colin, the, probably the biggest change is the fact that not only do you have cards graded today, but when I was growing up and a number of people in my generation, if you had the card and you and I were friends, for example, and you had a card I wanted, you just trade it. Now, for Mickey Mantle, you might get two, three commons, but basically it was a one-for-one -one trade because the cards had no value. Today, everything has changed. They all have value. But the biggest thing is everything is based on condition. So years ago, if you had rounded corners or if you had a crease or if it had been put in your bicycle spokes, it just didn't matter. Today, everything is about perfection, which quite frankly has taken a little bit of the fun out of the collection, out of the collecting uh, hobby. Uh, because again, you have little kids coming in and the first thing they want to know is, what's my card worth? 
Well, whatever happened to just enjoying the hobby and just collecting because you wanted to, not because it happened to be worth a certain amount of money. That takes a little bit of fun out of just the collecting sorts for sure. And you know, I'm sure you've had many cards throughout your life, Rob. Is there a card or a certain item of sports memorabilia you could just never sell? One that means a lot to you and just there isn't a price tag you would uh, take for it. Well, I would say it's probably that Jackie Robinson piece, just because that I mentioned earlier, only because it's not that it's so valuable, it's just that it's so unique, and I really enjoyed uh, the story behind it, how the person that got it that sold it to me uh, was able to get it. And so um, that's that's a special piece. It's not the most expensive uh, item by any means that I've handled. It's just something that I personally enjoy. Another item would be a a, a book from uh, it's actually written, I believe, in the '60s, '70s. I don't recall uh, about Mo Berg, uh, who was a catcher uh, with the Yankees. Not a famous catcher, uh, but he was active for 15 years. He went barnstorming with Babe Ruth, went to Japan, and and that's a very interesting read because he was actually a spy. He spoke uh, something like six, seven, eight languages. And so when they went over there to play baseball and barnstorm, he was actually taking photographs. This is in the 30s and uh, turned them over to the government, and they had very, very interesting uh, photos and information, and they actually used them during World War II to uh, be able to uh, see what was going on uh, in Japan at that time and where things were located. And so the name of the book actually is The Spy, and it's an intriguing book. I've got a baseball card next to it, and, and the book means something to me, not because it really has any value, but it came from a great uncle. And so, again, one of the many stories out there, and of course you can have great stories without there necessarily being, um, you know, a monetary value uh, involved. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, you know, there is that historical significance to the item you have, but also, like you said, a personal connection for a lot of these people. Having that memory of when they got that autograph or that first card they opened up, right? Well, not only the memory of it, but again, I'll, I'll digress for just a moment. Uh, I've got great memories. In 1962, I was 13 years old. I don't know how I ever talked my parents into doing the driving, but they actually drove me out to Boston that summer, left me out there, and I spent te- two two weeks at Ted Williams baseball camp. So those are fabulous, fabulous memories. And then, believe it or not, took a Greyhound bus back home from Boston to Minneapolis by myself. Who would ever let a 13-year-old today? Basically, you can't even <laughs> yeah. let them go downtown, and I'm taking a bus across country. But I have fabulous memories of, of meeting Ted, Ted and a lot of the former Major League Baseball players that uh, were uh, were coaches uh, back at uh, in 62 in his, uh, in his camp. Absolutely, Rob. And, you know, getting back to your store here, is there an item you have always wanted to have on your shelf to sell, um, oh. whether it be a card, a jersey, a bat, a dream you would always like to have and sell? You know, 
I, I wish I had a magical answer for you, but really, no. The excitement for me is that we are always buying collections. As a matter of fact, 16 months ago, we buy so many collections, that, and this was pre-COVID, that I actually started shutting down the store on Mondays and Tuesdays just to buy. So for me, it's sort of like the hunt is what's exciting. There's nothing that, that well, I wouldn't say nothing that I haven't handled, but over the over the last 40 years, because I was selling through uh, magazines, this is long before eBay, back in the late 80s, early 90s. And so really, there, I've handled at one time or another, not everything, but many, many things. So really, there's nothing where I could point to one item. It's just the, the thrilled chase of whatever is going to walk in on a particular day, that day, whatever it is, is exciting. Even though I've seen it over and over and over, and it's the same old thing. I mean, today I bought a, a 61 Mickey Mantle card. That's a favorite year of mine. But, you know, I've handled that card. I can't tell you how many times. And he had probably another thousand cards from the 50s and 60s. And, and uh, whoever I'm meeting with at that moment, whatever I'm buying or whatever I'm looking at, it's exciting at that time. What advice would you give to a young kid who strolls into your store and is thinking about starting to collect baseball cards. Well, the main thing that I try to tell them is collect what you like. In other words, if it happens to have some value, great, but much like the stock market, although I don't use the term stock market for the kids, uh, prices fluctuate up and down. And so, you know, collect what you like, whatever sport it might be, and try your best to take care of your cards. We give a lot of cards away to kids here, depending on their favorite sport we try to show them uh, you know how to put them in a penny sleeve how to put them in a top loader how to take care of them because again they're always coming in and they want to know what they're worth well usually they've handled them the corners are wrecked they might have a crease and so i just try to show them if you're going to have cards here's how you take care of them and probably the best part about that is (laughs) the parents are always uh, the ones picking them up, et cetera, et cetera, when the kids are really little. So they really appreciate the fact that that uh, Sam and I, Sam uh, is, is, uh, uh, works with me, works for me, uh, are spending a lot of time with kids. We love when kids come in here, and uh, we're happy to give them as much time as we can. But, but to summarize, the big thing is just collect what you like and take care of whatever you have. Rob Hunnings. Twin Cities Sports Cards here on the show. But before I uh, let you go, Rob, can you remind our listeners where they can find you and when? Sir, we're uh, we're in Golden Valley, just off of Highway 169. The exit is Medicine Lake Road. We're located right next to McDonald's. As I mentioned, we're closed Mondays and Tuesdays to buy collections, but we are open Wednesday, Thursday, Friday from 1030 to 530 and Saturday from 10 to 5. Awesome, Rob. Thanks so much for joining me today, and I look forward to stopping in sometime and sharing some good sports stories with you. Excellent, Colin. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed the time and visiting with you. Rob Hunnings of Twin City Sports Cards in Golden Valley. Well, we're running out of time here, folks, but we will be back next week. Our show is scheduled to start at 2 o'clock. Again, the On Deck Sports Show will start next week at 2 p.m. 
course, quick special thanks to Rob Hunnigs of Twin City Sports Cards and Bob Nightingale of the USA Today. And my name is Colin Lance Steiner. And this was the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Folk Financial Services. Folks, don't go anywhere. Twins are in action coming up next. They're taking on the Oakland Athletics, game two of this series, and you can hear it right here on KYMN.